Hello, everybody. How's everyone doing today? This is a different podcast. This is a continuation of the Christ in a Culture War podcast, which I started probably last year, dropped a trailer for, and then just never really had time or whatever you want to call a computer went down. Um, didn't feel like maybe I was adequate enough to do this. So let me reintroduce you to this podcast. If you are not a Christian, that's fine. If you are an atheist, if you don't care about quote unquote religion at all, feel free not to listen. Feel free to disagree with whatever I may say. I want to make a couple things clear. I am a Christian. Um, I am Biblical Christianity is what I try to stand by. Um, the doctrines of the faith. Um, I'm not a progressive. I'm not super, super conservative, but I do lean conservative. And I'm just a person out here that is looking at different things that people say, both within the Christian community and in the secular community and the scholarship community, and trying to make sense of it all, saying where I agree and where I disagree. So I created this podcast before I had ever heard of... Oh, and by the way, I will say names on this podcast. I will. It's not that I'm going to be calling people out, but if you say something, especially on a public platform, it's not like people can't go look and see. And just because I say your name um, doesn't mean that I'm necessarily attacking you. I'm just entertaining dialogue. So Ruslan KD is a YouTube channel. Ruslan is a Christian hip-hop artist that is more now so of a podcaster and I really really enjoy his channel and when I created this podcast name I had a distinct vision of what Christ in a culture war meant I actually have a blog on my google blogger that discusses this in depth and then Ruslan came on there and it's like everyone looking for a culture war, war everywhere and obviously I knew he wasn't talking to me because he has no idea who I am I want to be very clear. I'm not one of those people, and I have been in the past, that look at every single thing that happens in the world, and this is some kind of culture war, right? Like, you have some people, Spencer Smith, who I would like to talk about at some point. He'll probably get brought up later in this podcast. Spencer Smith has a YouTube channel where basically everything and anything is not Christian. He said Lecrae isn't a Christian, and, 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 and I think... And then you have people within the Reformed movement that are very dogmatic in application. I think we should be trying to find the scriptural meaning and try to practice and believe in the correct doctrines of the faith. Absolutely 100%. But Christ in a culture war is not a platform for me to come out and attack anything that is anti-Christian, anti-biblical, atheists, people like that. I can disagree with you. I can comment on where I think people are wrong, but it's not an attack platform. I mean, so if you listen to my sports podcast, Dad's in Timeout Sports Show, which is on all of the platforms, it's a sports show where I have very strong opinions. And when I was on the Rehab Sports Guys, which was a former sports radio show I was on with my friends Ian and David, we would go at each other, but it was never malicious, and it was never meant to bring the other person down. Um, so on this platform, I'm not attacking anybody. I might attack views, and once again, there's a glare, so I'm going to take off my glasses. Um, and so this podcast is not going to be like, I think 
I mean, it will be some of what I think is wrong, what I think is right, but it's not attacking the individual saying them. It's attacking what they're saying. And especially when people like you have a lot of these atheist channels out here that say a lot of things and they do it in derogatory ways. Now, I don't think that we should be derogatory back, but I think that we should be firm in what we believe in. So what do we believe in as Christians? What are the tenets of the faith? And I've tried to do this before, but my laptop crapped out on me, so I wasn't able to complete the video. And I was going to go through the whole history of the Bible in like 10, 15 minutes, because it's not really difficult if you know how the Bible is structured. So if you don't know this already, if you pick up your Bible, which I have one right here, I would look up stuff on my phone, but I'm also videotaping this off of my phone's camera while I'm recording this on Audacity. So what is the story of quote unquote Christianity? And I'm going to say quote unquote Christianity because once we get to world religions after the fact, it's, it's going to be a little confusing and it's confusing to me of how things are labeled. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis one, one, like every Christian, I believe to be a Christian, you have to believe that God created the heavens and the earth ex nihilo out of nothing right so we believe that the that god created the whole universe out of nothing now there's different people who believe of how god did that you have the six days of genesis some people think that genesis 1 and genesis 2 are different accounts i don't some people think that god took millions and billions of years i don't but i don't count that as a some people will say that's an essential. Some people will say that if you're not a young earth creationist that you cannot be a christian listen number one I don't know everybody's heart, so I'm not going to tell you he's not a Christian. He's not a Christian. He's not a Christian. He's not a Christian. Um, now, based on their actions, I think it's safe to say that Adolf Hitler was probably— Because this is something I hear all the time. And, I, and by the way, if you don't know me, my name is Jesse Williams. I go on rants. I go on tangents. My brain just works a little different. Um, and it sometimes leads me off of my topic. So some people— yeah, so some people think that you have to be a young earth creationist. And now I think the Bible teaches that. And I think there's, we could get into that another time. Um, if you want a good resource for young earth creationism, then I would look at Doug Hamp. Look at his YouTube channel. He has a book called Correcting the Image. He talks a lot about fallen angels, but also about, uh, he's very biblical. And he, he he's got a degree in Hebrew, I'm pretty sure. Like, he knows Hebrew. Like, so I think he's a good source. Um, Answers in Genesis is a good source. So, God created the heavens and earth out of nothing, right? God created everything. How he did it, I think he did it in six literal days. But I don't also believe that Genesis is supposed to be... I think the science in the Bible is correct. I think the Bible is inspired. I think it's inerrant. Now, do I think that every translation doesn't have copious errors? No. But I, do I think any meaning has changed? No. So I stand by scripture. I think that everything in this book is correct. Do I think that some numbers in the Old Testament may have been copied down wrong? Yes. But it's like numbers of people in a tribe that, okay, whatever. Y'all can debate that. So God created the earth out of nothing. And then he creates everything in the order that it says. You can go read it. Um, 
Days one, two, three, four, five, and six. On day six, God creates man. God creates man in his own image. Now, as a Christian, I do not believe this makes us little gods. Even though the Christians took their name as little Christ, that was more of imitating Christ, being like Christ, not being Christ, right? So we're made in the image of God. So we have attributes of God, like, right? So like, if you want to know what God's like, if we're the only creatures made in his image that makes us special which comes into atheistic evolutionist points of view that say that we're just animals and people who i love animals i love dogs not really big on cats but i, I respect animals but i also believe you can eat meat i also believe hunting is okay and because we are above the animals that is in scripture anyways i digress so what does that mean? That means we are made in the image of God, which means people have value. This is where the whole Christian value of the, the Christian um, teaching or belief that humans, that every human being has intrinsic value comes from. Now, you could say, well, Christians adore slavery and the Bible endorses slavery. It doesn't. But and were there people that were Christians that did horrible things? Yes. OK, so. We get to chapter 3, and this is where the fall of Adam and Eve happened. And this is also a doctrine to where if you actually read the entire scripture in its proper context, you would. a lot of people are like, well, the Bible is anti-women because it blames Eve for the fall of man. Well, if you read Paul, um, and I think it's Romans, that all sin came through one man, Adam, then you would know that the Bible actually holds men responsible. Now, the fact that the Bible or that God himself holds man, not woman, responsible for this is very important when it comes to Jesus. So you can open up the Bible to Genesis chapter 3. And this is where the first prophecy of Jesus, which I believe, I know that some people, maybe um, Dr. Michael Brown isn't quite keen on this. And Dr. Michael Brown is super way more smarter than me. And I have mad respect for Dr. Michael Brown. He's he is a Jew who's a Christian and he does a lot of good work. He we, we also don't agree on the a lot of the end time stuff, but I think Dr. Brown is a Christian. I respect him. I love listening to him. There's a lot of these guys that preach that I don't agree with everything on. I don't agree with John MacArthur on everything. And especially some things going on with some things that happened at his seminary. But doctrinally, like, I'm really close, right? And so in Genesis 3, the Bible says, and hopefully I'm not making too much noise. He says to the serpent, and this is Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, people like Dr. Michael Brown would say, hey, that's really just an illusion of for the actual serpent, which could be true. I mean, men step on snakes heads and they eat dust and they crawl in their belly and snakes will strike up at his heel and he will crush your head. But I think that it's the first prophecy of because in that was the NIV, which is not my favorite translation. But hey, listen, someone got it for me for Christmas. It's a big, good study Bible. I'm not a King James only person. I have translations I like better than others. ESV, New American Standard Bible. I'm not, but but I think they're all fine. Like I think if you 
it, you, you get the you get the whole story out of it. So in a lot of translations, says you'll put in between between the woman's seed and the man's seed, which means that the uh, that that the the Messiah of the Jewish people, which will then be the Messiah of the whole world, comes through the woman, which is why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. We'll get to that when we get to Jesus, because well, we've already gotten to Jesus because in John chapter one it says that all things were created through him. Nothing that was made was made. Any, anything that was not made, but I always get that one confused because John flips words back and forth. Basically, saying there's nothing made that Jesus wasn't a part of, right? That, that God created the world through Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, right? And we'll get to the Trinity if we have time because I'm already 12 minutes into this video and we haven't gotten past Genesis three. Okay, so God drives him out of the garden. Um, man is now in a sinful state. And so the sin nature will be passed down to every other person in the universe born, right? So there's God and then there's humans and they know about God. And so then we get the, the problem of, well, Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. Well, how did they have Cain and Abel? So they have Cain and Abel and then like, it's then like, well, Cain kills Abel and then Cain has kids. Where did Cain find his wife? Okay, listen, this is why I believe that the ages in the Old Testament have to be correct. So think about this. Adam and Eve live to be, at least Adam for sure we know, lives to be like 900-something years old. All right? It's it's in the genealogy in like Genesis 5, I think. So, and, and this is why the genealogies are important. Because if you actually look at the years and add them up, that kind of gives you a, a, a timetable of human history, right? And so if Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and then Cain met his wife then I'm pretty sure that Adam and Eve had to have had daughters. But think about this. If, if you're having children for hundreds and hundreds of years, there's no birth control, the genetics are perfect, and there's no defects yet because they haven't been mutated and passed down through the lines yet. I mean, yes, humans are starting to decay automatically because sin entered the world, and now they can't eat from the tree of life. And so now at some point, they're going to physically die, right? So Adam and Eve had lots and lots of kids who were spread out and they had lots and lots of kids. And, and it's like, okay, it starts here. So that's why we, until I think it's Moses, we don't really get laws about incest because now it's like, hey, there's billions of people on the planet. We're in families. You go outside your family, you meet your wife. So now it's taboo, but it's also, that's why when incest occurs now, there's genetic problems that happen, right? So back then, look it up look up youtube videos on how genetics and how it wasn't quote unquote incest back then because the only other option was for well there's a couple of options one they could not have incest and then the race becomes extinct like from the get-go and none of us are here or god could have created millions of people all over across the world and then they all started having kids and then but then you have a problem of so it's just it's i don't think there's evidence that that happened right um i believe the bible that two people were created and they had a bunch of kids because there were no condoms or birth control or abortion and so like they were just having lots and lots of kids and so those kids were marrying and having lots and lots of kids and so all of a sudden boom like we're all related but we're all not closely related right okay so god drives them out of the garden the cain and abel we know cain kills abel and then we get all the way through Genesis 
the Tower of Babel, which is a tower they built to try to get to the heavens and God confused the languages. And then we get to Noah. See, I was... Okay, so the Tower of Babel actually happens after Noah. So we get to Noah in Genesis chapter 6, right? Now, Genesis chapter 6 is the worldwide flood. And the worldwide flood, while some people say it's a regional flood, I beg to differ. I think that good archaeology and good studies of the earth and um, the different sediment layers and I just, the answers in Genesis really covers this very well. I believe to be a Christian that you have to believe in. Okay, I think you can have differing views on the flood to be a Christian. I don't think that's an essential, but I think it's important to believe that, right? Um, I think it's very important because the flood happened for a reason. And the flood also is a sign from God, right? So I'm kind of drawing a little bit of a blank but i believe it was a worldwide flood the chasms of the deep were broken like it didn't just rain for 40 days and 40 nights like it was a earth shattering event now do i think that the continents were all together and this happened during the flood or do i think it happened over time i don't know but it would make sense that it started on the flood and then people are going to be like well how did the kangaroos get to australia and my answer to that would be the people just got off a super big boat and they helped build this boat for like 200 years, 100 years, something like that. It, they didn't build the ark overnight. So, these, and, and here's another thing. This is why I think people were living to be almost a thousand years old before the flood. I think that was the case because, number one, the flood did a lot of things. Number one, they say that the firmament was broken above the heavens and so now you have harmful uv rays and all that so i think that after the flood the atmospheric conditions changed and people didn't live as long and god also realized that when god says in genesis 6 that the thoughts of man were only evil continually now think about if you were a super evil person now we're all evil um we all have evil in us we're all born in sin if I live to be 900 years, think about if Hitler would have lived to be 900 years old or Alexander the Great or Genghis Khan. What these people could have accomplished if they were still five, if they were 500 years old in peak human condition. Um, with, And that's why I think people were really big back then. And I think the technology before the flood would have astounded us. So anyways, the flood happens. They spread across the earth, the Tower of Babel, and then... The rest of the Old Testament really deals with the story of Israel. I want to be very clear. I think that the entire story of the Bible is about Israel and God's relationship with Israel. And Gentiles are brought into it. Not that we're less than God's chosen people. But a lot of people think that the church has replaced Israel. And Revelation, no. I th So, brief history of Israel. Um... They have a guy named Abraham, and Abraham meets God. Well, his name's Abram, then he gets his name changed, and God's like, hey, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And basically, he's going to be the father of the Hebrew nation. And then he goes and has, and he's promised a son, but he's, his wife is barren, Sarah, or Sarai, and then Sarah. And so he then has a mistress that Sarah's like, hey, like, like get, get, get son of promise, and that's Ishmael. There's extreme consequences for that, though. And so... Abraham ends up having Isaac, and then you have the story of Isaac on the altar, which is also a precursor to Jesus, because Isaac, a lot of people thought was a little kid, but he was actually probably closer to a grown man, 
and he could have literally fought super old Abraham and ran off. And he's like, we have the wood, we have the altar, where's the sacrifice? And he's like, God's going to provide the sacrifice. And God did in the, in the form of a ram, which means that God is going to provide the sacrifice for all of the world, for which is Christ on the cross, right? So a lot of these are archetypes, which means they're foreshadowing of Christ coming, right? They're, all of this stuff, Joseph in captivity, um, Jonah in the whale coming three days out of there, or, or the, I'm sorry, the giant fish, whatever it was. Anyways, so long story short, Abraham has Isaac, Isaac has Jacob, Jacob has Joseph and 12, well, he has 12 sons, they become the 12 tribes of Israel, though it's kind of weird because like two of Joseph's sons like get a tribe and one of the tribes, I can't remember which one it is, somebody in the comments helped me out, but it was one of the sons that was really wicked that lost basically being one of the tribes of Israel. Um, long story short, Israel then gets a bunch, uh, Moses dies, Joshua takes him into the promised land. This is where people complain about the genocide of the Canaanites. Go look at what the Canaanites were doing also. Um, so God's God. So anytime someone dies, is God murdering them? Because if God's the author of life and God ultimately is in charge of when anybody dies, then you could say that God murders everybody. Or he's the creator, he can't allow wickedness to go unpunished, and he also gave the Amalekites 400 extra years, and he told the Canaan, he told the Israelites to wipe out the Canaanites, men, women, and children, maybe, I don't know, that's a hard one, but he's God, and God knows the future, and maybe he knew that, because see here, I, I don't really want to cover that in depth, but if the kids lived then maybe he knew that they would go to hell because they would never believe in him because he knows everything. And so maybe actually their quick and earthly gruesome death actually led to their ultimate salvation. I don't know. That's not in the scriptures. I can't speak on that. Anyways, so they get in the promised land. They get a bunch of judges. You have the cool story of Samson, which is really crazy. Go read it. And then they all then they want a king. And God's like, hey, you don't need a king. They're like, we want a king. Everyone else around us has a king. Okay, cool. So he goes and gets Saul. Well, he goes and gets Saul, big old tall dude. Um, and Saul starts out really good. He's a man of God, but then Saul just starts doing what he wants. And God's like, hey, um, I'm going to replace him with this kid named David. Now, David ends up becoming king. Jesus comes to the line of David. David does some bad things, but David's overall a really good king. David is dying. And then one of his sons, Abnajiah, and his other son, Absalom, are both trying to fight for the throne. But God's like, no, Solomon is going to be the king so solomon becomes a king god gives him wisdom lots of wealth solomon kind of falls off and god basically says hey look solomon um because of this your kingdom's going to be split and the kingdom does get split 10 tribes in the north two tribes in the south the nation of israel in the north the nation of judah in the south and it's like well basically the 10 tribes in the north had pretty much all bad kings like they were all wicked like it, like if you go read first kings and second kings first samuel second samuel this king and he walked with the lord and then it was like this king did evil in the sight of the lord and like israel had this really big problem of like worshiping other gods and straying away from god and like building altars to them and like god doesn't like that because he's a jealous god because i created the entire universe with my words and so yeah um yeah, I don't want you worshiping these other gods. Now, another interesting thing is, is the um, are these other gods actually real entities or just figments of people's imagination? And I don't know. 
Um, I think that some of them could be evil spirits. Some of them could be entities that actually have power. And sometimes I think people just make stuff up. Um, I'm not saying which one is which, but um, it's very interesting that a lot of the other world religions are started by people being visited by angels. Mormonism and Islam in particular. Um, anyways, so the nation of Israel ends up um, the northern kingdom gets invaded by Assyria, and they get taken over. They get scattered, and the tribes are still scattered to this day. Um, then the southern kingdom gets invaded by the Babylonians, and then the Babylonians get taken over by the Medes and the Persians. And the Medes and the Persians get taken over by the Greeks, and then the Greeks get taken over by the Romans, right? So then you have all these prophets, right? And these prophets are like telling them, hey, like you're going to get taken over, but God's going to bring you back to the land. The southern kingdom does come back, but they're like, hey, we have this prophecy. There's this guy coming. His, there's a Messiah. He's going to be born of a virgin. They're going to, his, he will come to his people and his people won't accept him. Like all these prophets were like prophesying, prophesying, prophesying this. And this is where we get to the New Testament. So, so far, recap, I think you have to believe that God is the only God or the, he is the creator of the world and he is the one true God. So I think there's also little lowercase gods like demons the devil but they're not in control and they're not on the level of god so there is only so there's only one like the definition that i use for capital g god is is, is the name yahweh like he's the only actual god now you have other spiritual entities with power that people worship as gods those aren't god okay that's what i believe i believe that's what the bible teaches that's a fundamental doctrine um all the other stuff was just kind of a history lesson getting us up to Jesus, right? Okay, so in the Old Testament, it's super important because it all points to Christ. Like, it's all about him. A lot of liberal churches, and I don't even mean liberal in a bad sense. Like, I, I went to a Presbyterian church, and there's some things that they believe on a social level that I'm not cool with. But then just their attitude toward the scriptures really really good people though um if there's such a thing but people that were would make you want to go to church with them you know they're very friendly and they invite you out to lunch and they mean well but i literally got asked one time about the importance of the old testament and i'm like i had to teach a whole semester on this and i'm not a teacher by the way i'm just a dude but the old testament's super important the genealogies are important like if you actually go look at the sons of ham sham and japheth like a lot of Ham's kids like become these countries that are opposed to Israel. A lot of the Arab, the, the Arab countries, Egypt, Cush, like just look at the history. They're important. Like the story of the Old Testament and what it really is, is a lot of people say that the God of the Old Testament is this mean, vindictive, like strike you with lightning God. And then the God of the New Testament is this loving God who just wants everyone to be friends and he only loves people and he never judges anybody. And it's like, well, the Old Testament God was actually very patient. I mean, because think about it. If God is completely just and completely perfect and completely holy, then the first time we sinned, he could have just wiped us all out. But he knew about he knew about he knew this would happen from the from infinity past from before time existed god knew this whole story already and he still chose to create and he still knew that he would send his own son to the earth to be crucified and rejected by the very people he was sent here to die for and then when you get to revelation he's gonna 
there's going to be people in the Millennium Kingdom with Christ that see Jesus and reject him. And then, because there's a war after that, right? So, there's this baby in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, according to the scriptures. And then that Herod tries to kill him, and then he grows up, and he goes and teaches at the temple at 12. And then at 30 years old, around 30 years old, um, Jesus begins his ministry. Or Yeshua, if you want to use the, the the name that the hardcore Torah, or Israel people call him Yeshua, right? I think you call him Yeshua. I think you call him Jesus. I think if you live in a Spanish-speaking country, you can call him Jesus. I think that as long as you are worshiping him, the name um, the, the transliteration of the name, let's say, because a lot of people would be like, hey, well, there were no J's in Hebrew like these people. I'm like, listen, like we transliterate things all the time. OK, it's OK. God knows the intentions of the heart. So um, Jesus walks for three years and has 12 disciples and he starts preaching repent because the kingdom of God is near. So to be a Christian, number one, you have to believe that Jesus was a real person. One hundred percent. You have to believe that he, in my opinion, I think you have to believe that he lived a sinless life. Because that's the only way this thing works. Somewhere in the scriptures it says, and I'll look it up and I'll post it in the comments, that without the shedding of blood there can be no remission of sins, right? Like, basically, that's why the Old, the Old Testament sacrificial system was set up to point to Jesus. It's like people sinned. Blood was shed from an innocent animal. This a sacrifice, innocent in the sense that animals don't really sin because they they're, they're not us, right? Like, do they do bad things that they eat each other? Yeah, but like we don't look at a animal hunting as prey as sin. It's just nature, right? But like if I go hunt down another human and cook them on my barbecue grill, that's one hundred percent a sin. So the Old Testament sacrificial position or institution was the point to the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make. So perfect life. Betrayed by Judas, um, of course, arrested by the Jews, handed over to the Romans, executed. Literal, physical death on a cross. Like, that is an essential. Not a spiritual death. Not he was kind of alive, and then he was in a tomb. It's like they scourged him 39 times and nailed him to a cross, which they stuck a spear in his side, which would have went through his heart, most likely. He was dead. All right? Three days in the tomb, however you want to count that, whether it was he died on a Friday and rose on a Sunday. What does three days mean in Jewish culture time? And then he rose again bodily from the grave. Now, whether or not he physically, his spirit physically went to hell to go preach to the captives, I think that's most likely the case. I think once we get into the itty gritty details, it's like, okay, well... Did his spirit, when it says it go into Sheol, does it mean the earth, or did he did he really go down and proclaim to the devil like, hey, like, but the devil isn't in hell right now, so that wouldn't make any sense. The devil is on the earth. The devil, Paul says it, he roams across the earth like a ferocious lion. I mean, look at the story of Job. Job goes up to heaven, and God's like, because, I'm sorry, Satan goes up to heaven in the book of Job, and God's like, hey, what have you been doing? Once again, rhetorical question. God already knew what he'd been doing because he's God. But God asks questions for reasons. Satan's like, oh, I've been roaming the earth, you know. And he's like, hey, you seen my servant Job? So like, so when the angels go and present themselves before the throne room of God, Satan at this point still has access to heaven. Now, he's not like, he's still doomed, but he has access to the throne room of God, right? And so um, 
Yeah, so, so so a lot of people think that Jesus, and it's in the Apostles' Creed, like went down to hell, defeated death, preached to the captives. I think he did one of two things. I think he went to those spirits that were bound and was like, yeah, like, it's done. And also think that the, peop the Old Testament saints he may have gone to and because I think they were in, this is where, at whatever you think happens when people die, do they go straight to heaven? Like, because in the Old Testament, because if you read the story of um, Jesus and Lazarus and the rich man, not Lazarus that died and got brought back to life, which sucks to be Lazarus. I mean, like you're dead and you're either in heaven or, so um, if you look at that story, like there's a chasm between Abraham and the, the, the rich man and Lazarus, right? So the rich man is over here and tormented and he's over here in Abraham's bosom. So Abraham's bosom seems to be where people who were followers of Yahweh that were waiting on the Messiah would be until, you know, Christ paid the ultimate price. And then there's, you know, the place of torment. And so I guess what happens is now that that's gone, now you just go straight to heaven. I don't know. I think there's a heaven and a hell. Like, I, I'm more concerned about the end of times of what happens. Like, so for all the people that have died, I, there's no way I'm going to know where they're at. So call that an essential, call that not an essential. But Jesus bodily rose from the dead, right? He appeared to over 500 people. Now, people will ask, why did he only appear to those who believed in him? And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that Jesus knows that he could... He even said he could raise somebody from the dead. Because remember, he raised Lazarus from the dead and they wanted to kill him. So Jesus knows that no matter what he does, there are people who will reject him. Jesus could literally come down from a cloud like with an army of angels and be like, peace to you. I am Jesus. And like he could literally lay out all the proofs and they'd be like, nah, bro, like, we don't believe you. Which is fine. That's people's rights. But like people have hardened hearts. So when Jesus, so, so, okay, then the apostles write the New Testament, you know, so the New Testament's written. And so what are the essentials of the gospel? Like people are like, oh, is it water baptism? I think it is, but I don't think that's an essential. I think if you sprinkle, like, like if you live in a desert and someone pours a canteen and it's like, I baptize you in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't think you're not, I, I think you're saved, right? If you read the King James Version, even if, even if you believe in some, some things I don't believe in theologically, right? Because I used to be real big into theology. And I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think sometimes... I went to this event with my dad one time, with my friend Dustin Cooper. And it was a Bible study. And I say Bible study because they watched the film and then... And I'm not, I don't know these people, right? And it's in some business building and... They're just making fun of this film, which I thought was an honest attempt for... I don't even remember what the film was about. I just remember leaving disappointed. It's like, it seemed like everybody in that conversation, not 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 my dad. I got mad respect for my dad. And he was the smartest person in the room because he might be the smartest person on earth. But it just seemed like people in that room were trying to be the smartest theology guy in the room. And I, ran, I went to Washita Baptist for two years, and I ran into this a lot. Where it's, when I speak, I want to get to the truth of the matter. I want to learn more about the scriptures. I want to learn more about biblical history. I want to know more about what atheists, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Muslims believe. Not that I'm trying to convert to that, because this is my starting point. If your belief system does not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, you will not convert me. 
I just believe there's too much evidence. Now, I will listen to you and I will listen to your arguments for your faith or your lack of faith or your atheism or agnosticism. But at the end of the day, and you can call me closed minded, but I've already done the research. And what I mean by that is in 2000, from basically 2011 to 2013, maybe even longer than that, I wouldn't say that I left the faith, but when I deployed to Iraq, I had a hard time believing that. I knew so many Muslim people that I had a hard time believing that it was only Christians that were going to heaven. It, and I believe that Jesus is very clear that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father but through me. So when you come up to me on the street or at work or at Walmart or wherever, and you're like, you told me I'm going to hell. I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. This did. This is the Bible, right? This, and I don't, I'm, I'm not telling you anything. Because I don't just go around and be like, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. But this channel is going to be me speaking about the truth of the gospel. So if you don't fall into that category, do the math. Now, you may not believe in hell, which is fine. Cool. I could be totally wrong. Could be. Maybe I'm going to hell. Who knows? That's why I'm not. This is. See, what happens in today's society is that people like to jump on anyone that has an absolute position right because in this society and this culture and this is the culture war that i'm talking about it isn't a culture war about oop lecrae went to a wu-tang concert he's going to hell no like i think lecrae is saved like there's way too much evidence from the music from the ministry to interviews before 2012 where i think he kind of switched up and i don't know lecrae personally so i'm not holding any of that against him I would love to sit down and talk to Lecrae about this because I'm a fan. Like, Lecrae's first five or six albums, maybe seven albums, really helped me. Like, Praying For You After The Music Stops on that album, Praying For You, um, Truth on Rebel, Tell The World, um, Beautiful Feet. Those songs are amazing. And it's like, you listen to those and it's like, this sounds like it's coming from... A dude that really has a relationship with Jesus, right? Triple E, the same way. Tadashi, like... So I'm not sitting out here like, that guy had a triangle in his video. He's not a Christian. Like, no. Like, it is not my job to be like, you're a Christian. You're not a Christian. You're a Christian. But I would say examine the scriptures and see if you're bearing any fruit. Because what I don't think... So anyways, we're going to return to that. So let's finish the whole history of the Bible. And I know we skipped a bunch. But like the New Testament, Apostles, and then Revelation is what's going to happen in the end times there's going to be an antichrist some people don't think there's going to be an antichrist i think it's pretty clear there's going to be an antichrist a beast and satan because that's their so say that's their trinity right so every satan can't create anything he can just bootleg what i mean by that is he can just he can't create like god created the universe god can speak things into existence like we can't by the way um, we can't manifest things. I don't care what Jesse Duplantis and those people tell you. And the people that I will call out are the people that are obviously out here trying to scam people. Like Jesse Duplantis, Kenneth Copeland, like even Joel Osteen. Like those people, like bro, you out here flying on private jets, owning your own jets, making millions and close to billions of dollars. Like y'all are obviously false teachers. Now some of the other ones that I think may be wrong... The Stephen Furtick's, the because I've heard some really good sermons from Stephen Furtick, and I think there's a lot of problems with him. But 
I haven't got to the point where I'm like, that's a straight up false teacher yet. And it's not my job. My job is to just give y'all content. Um, so the so what, what I mean by that is the devil can only offer things. He can twist things, right? So like, what did he do with Jesus in the desert? He twisted the scripture. He can twist God's words in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say that? Uh, well, what, what did God say? He, and Eve was like, well, God said if we eat of this tree, we're going to die. And he's like, you surely won't die. Well, yeah, you're not going to die today. Well, Satan didn't know that. He's like, your eyes will open and you will be like God. So what does Satan do? He's everything looks to be like God. He's an he masquerades as an angel of light. That's why he's not some red dude in a pitchfork. Like he's not some super raw scary. I mean, he's scary, but that's not how he gets people. Like people sell their souls to the devil, and you have whole movements that are like now like Satan's the good guy, and God's just trying to keep the man down, having any fun. It's like, bro, wait till we get to heaven. Like, he takes sex, which is supposed to be something beautiful between a man and a woman, and he perverts it into pornography and and these poly relationships and all these other things that God never intended that we're like, we're just trying to have fun. Where do you think STDs came from? Why do you, like, if God's design for sex was practiced between a man and a woman in a monogamous marriage, and that's only how it was practiced... Well, there would be no sex trafficking, there would be no rape, there would be no incest, there would be no um, child support, there would be no like there'd be no STDs. All these things are caused by sin, right? So I think as a Christian, you have to believe that Jesus is coming back, that he is going to defeat Satan once and for all. He's going to cast him and the false prophet into the lake of fire um, and, and the Antichrist. They're all going to end up in hell. They're all going to think they're going to win. And I think that it, Jesus is the only way. Whether or not you vote Democrat, Republican is not like Greg Locke. God bless his heart. And I've just heard one clip of him. So I'm not going to go hard on this guy because I'm not going to look at one clip. And I did listen to a snippet of his interview with Dr. Michael Brown. But I'm not going to sit here and bash Greg Locke's entire character off of a clip I heard, even though it was a couple of clips like. But here's the thing. You can't sit in a pulpit and tell someone that if they vote Democrat, they're going to hell. Now, on a national level, I think that the Democratic Party has a lot of problems with. Oh, my gosh, they're going to kill me for this one. And I'm not even going to speak on it much. But uh, views on abortion. Um, just what the Democratic. The, OK, what I'll say is the far left reaches of the Democratic Party seem to be very anti-Christian and always seem to have been. The university professors, if you've ever been to a major university, not even a major, like a division two II or three, but if you've been to a university in the last decade that is not a Christian institution, and even those, a lot of those lean liberal. Like, and, and I'm just saying that's the facts of the matter. If you listen to the way your professors speak and you listen to how they talk about politics and all this, they, they all lean to the left. It's very one-sided. And trust me, the right has a lot of problems, too. I always have told people that I think that the Republican Party um, kidnapped the Southwestern um, Baptist Convention and used it for their own political gain, 100 um, percent. But and, and the conservative seem to lean more toward the concept of a family, and that's not everybody. But I don't want to even get on that. So those are the essentials like um that God created the universe out of nothing, that he's the only God, that Jesus, 
I think you I think you have to believe in the Trinity. Now, how you view the Trinity, I think, is is different. And I'm not gonna sit here and explain the entire Trinity, but it's a triune Godhead, right? It's God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's all over the New Testament, but it's all one God. Like and my thing is I think that if you legitimately come to Christ and are legitimately saved, I think you're good. Um, now I know some people think that what they what they're talking about is you can't just walk down an aisle, say a prayer, and then live the rest of your life. And I think that that's kind of easy to tell. Like if you become a Christian, you're like, hey, I believe in God. Like Jesus saved me. Um, I want to be a Christian. And then you live the rest of your life, and nothing ever changes. You're known by your fruit, but that's not my job to figure that out. That's between you and God, right? Now, you look at someone like a Joel Osteen that seems to be preaching things anti to the gospel. Once again, I don't know if Joel Osteen's saved, and it's not really my prerogative because that, that's between him and God. Now, what is my prerogative is to stand up against false doctrine. And when I say false doctrine, I'm talking about like, um, the prosperity gospel. I'm talking about the little God's doctrine. I'm talking about people saying that like, like a lot of this super healing stuff. Listen, I am like, if you speak in tongues, I'm not saying that that's a false doctrine. I'm not sure. Listen, I don't speak in tongues. I, I don't have the gift. I've never been given the gift. I've never tried to get the gift. Someone tried to give it to me in high school once it didn't work. Um, do I think there are people who speak in tongues that are saved? Yes. Do I think there's people who are confused? Yes. Um, but just because I don't speak in tongues, like I, I will tell you, like Dr. Michael Brown is my biggest example. I 1000 million percent think he's saved. I think he is a great teacher. I think he's a genius. And he says he speaks in tongues. So I'm going to take him at his word because everything else in that man's life and that man's ministry and the way that man conducts himself on YouTube screams to me that that is a, um, a leader of men and a man of the gospel, right? So, and I really wish him and John MacArthur would sit down and have a debate. So I think it'd be really good because um, Dr. Michael Brown's really willing to do it. And so my thing is when you're sitting in a church and you're listening to the pastor, is the pastor trying to make you the hero of the story? Is the pastor trying to make you feel like that you're the most important thing? Because that's what a lot of the emergent church stuff is. And I'm not putting everybody under that umbrella. I just think that a lot of these new age pastors are trying to make, and this is what I think it started as, I think they wanted to make the gospel attractive. I think they were like, how do we get the most people into the kingdom? And I think it started from a good-hearted place. Like, how do we get these people to come to Christ? Well, I know how we can do it. We can put arcades in the Sunday school room. I know because I've been to them. Um, we can have these flashy rock bands play at our services. Okay. We can start making everybody feel like that the Bible is all about you. You're David. You're Moses. You're so-and-so. You're the you're the hero of the story. You're the Daniel on the lion's den. Daniel's lion's den is about you. It's not. It's not about me either. Like, nothing in that book's about me. It's to the Jews. It's for me. It is for me. Like, this is, like, Jeremiah 29, 10, for, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, to give you a future. That's a wonderful verse. It was not written to me. 
I don't read that and be like, God's going to prosper me and give me a BMW. It's like, no, because God told Jeremiah that even though Israel was going to be, because people don't read what, what preceded that verse. He told them, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years, but believe me, I still have a plan to prosper you. I still have a plan to give you hope in the future. So if God gave them a hope in the future, then I can believe that the God of the universe has a plan and a future for me too. Now, am I the hero? Am I, am I, am I the nation of Israel in that story? No, but it gives me comfort because all throughout this book, all throughout this book, it's a story of hope and redemption. It is a story saying that no matter what we're going through, God has a plan. And in the end, God's going to work all things out for the good of those. Now, it's going to be God's good. It doesn't mean that, oh, I'm going to wake up and there's going to be a $10,000 check in the mail. I'm not saying that won't happen, but it probably won't. It doesn't mean that I'm going to walk into work today and I'm going to name it and claim it and I'm going to be a supervisor at work. Like... This is where we get into dangerous doctrines because we start thinking that the Bible is about us. We start thinking that God is our rub the genie, rub the lamp, and I'm going to take a drink of water because I'm thirsty. Sorry for my Spotify, Apple, and Google listeners, but mouth was getting kind of dry. So this is where the dangerous doctrines come in. And that's almost what I named this, but this is going to be a podcast that is really going to touch on a lot of areas. I'm going to be responding to clips I see on YouTube. I'm going to be responding to different pastors in a loving and gentle way as much as I can. The, these people, I can't remember if it was Jesse Duplantis or if it was Kenneth Copeland, but one of them's wife was talking about how they were in an airplane one time and we don't fly in bad weather. So we just stood up and rebuked the hurricane and, and that tornado when the tornado was like, doo, 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 doo. I'm like, Okay, cool, like, whatever. Um, I think that most of the really bad false teachers are really easy to see. And I also think that just because you wear skinny jeans and Jordans and you preach doesn't mean you're a false teacher. Though there are people that are very problematic that wear skinny jeans and Jordans, right? Like, I don't think you have to wear an expensive suit because also there's a lot of false preachers out here wearing suits too. I think the F uh, so I want to, I want to credit um, Jay Warner Wallace for this. Jay Warner Wallace is the founder of cold case Christianity. He was a cold case detective um, who came to faith and then he uses that approach to preach the gospel or give lectures or whatever you want to call it. Super big fan. Um, I think I read his book. I know you're almost positive I read his book. Um, and anyways, well, Jay Warner Wallace says that the FBI says that the best way to know a counterfeit is to know the original front and back. So he uses that example to say if you know the right teaching, like the basic fundamentals of Christianity, then it's easy to spot a counterfeit. I'll give you an example. People always say that there's these lost books of the Bible where they ain't lost because we got them. And the banned books of the Bible, well, they're not banned. They just weren't included in the canon. And they're like, they tried to keep those books out because they had secrets of the, of the real Jesus. Like Jesus was like telling Thomas and Judas all these secret things that he was keeping from John and Peter and everybody else. And I'm like, that's weird because Thomas 
was martyred for Christ. Judas, I mean, I guess Judas was just writing everything down before he hung himself. I don't know, dude. But like, okay, so the reason that the early church, first off, they already had a canon by the time they got to whatever council you want to bring up. And all they did was confirm that these were the books that they had already been agreed on, right? So all these extra books like the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene, the Gospel of Peter, um, which Peter definitely didn't write, um, the Gospel of Judas, all this stuff, the Gospel of Barnabas, like the early church fathers we literally can re reconstruct the entire New Testament, like 95% at least, with just the teachings of the early church fathers. If you destroyed the entire New Testament, we could reconstruct it because they quoted so much from the Gospels. So they knew, they knew the, they knew what the real thing was. So when they saw those counterfeits, when they saw the Gospel of Thomas, and they were like, "That doesn't match up to what we know Jesus said." or what the apostles told us that we wrote down like like we we know that doesn't line up with the scriptures because we have all these writings from James and Peter and Paul and Matthew and Mark and Luke and Jude right there, there's one more I'm forgetting whoever wrote Hebrews right so we have all this stuff that the church fathers have been teaching and then these gospels pop up in the next century and they're like, oh, like that doesn't sound right. Um, but they didn't destroy them all. They were just like, that's wrong. Like, I don't believe you should burn books, even if they're bad books. People are like, what if they cause people to uprise and do bad things? That needs to be destroyed because if they read this, they might do that. Listen, there's going to be weak-minded people that are swayed by anything. That's not the author's fault. He incited those people to violence. Well, no, they already wanted to be violence. He just motivated them more. Like, I'm a human being. Like, you're not going to get me to do something I don't already want to do. Like, because I can think for myself. So that's what I mean in a culture war. We need a generation of people that rise up and think for themselves and not just, well, um, you weren't there, so how do you know that they did that? I'm like, well, then just don't believe in anything in history because you weren't there. Like, 9-11, like, they could have doctored the footage. No, I have a friend that was there. It doesn't matter. How do you know he was telling the truth? How do you know? Like, like when people bring that logic to me, it's like, dude, you're, like, you're going you're gonna to have a brain aneurysm, homie, because you're really not going to be able to believe in anything. Like, if, if you can't trust any of the historical processes, like, Homer, the first copy of Homer was written, like, 300 years after the fact. I think it's pretty legitimate. I believe in Alexander the Great. The old, the New Testament, is the most reliable document documents um, from antiquity that we have. Like, go look up the research. Like, how many copies we had, how close they were, um, how they were translated, how they were reprinted, um, how they were constructed. Like, at this point, now, now you don't have to believe the teachings in them, but. At the very least, the transmission of like how we got those documents in our current form is pretty darn reliable, right? So, um, I'm not I'm not at war with the entire music industry, and I'm not at war with the with hip hop, and I'm not at war with pop music. But I do think that as Christians, we need to stand up and say when things are wrong. I think we need to stand up and understand that um, in a world that looks at 
Jesus is being ridiculous, I think we need to stand up and speak on it in a loving way. Like, like I'm not screaming war from the por- from the pulpit. So maybe I'll change the name of this podcast. But believe it or not, um, it is a war. Um, the Bible says it's a war, um, or it says it's a battle. It's a battle between. Um, spirits and principalities and forces of darkness and evil like there is a war going on in the heavenlies there's going to be a war in revelation whether or not that war has already happened i don't know i think some people believe it has some people believe it hasn't i think revelation is about future events i believe in the rapture but if you don't we'll all find out together because in the end as long as we all believe that we're going to reign with Jesus Christ forever and live in heaven, I think that's the point. So I'm not going to sit here and ridicule if you're post-trib or mid-trib or that there's no rapture. Like, cool. Like, I think we all have good evidences for it. And I think some people just won't change their minds, which is fine. Um, and so I hope that this channel is really a blessing. And I hope it really is something where we can... Um, discuss things and you will leave good comments and i do want to get into some of the other religious belief systems but i really want to do some research so what i'm really going to be addressing when i address the culture war is really to me it's more of a intellectual logic battle of how people have been trained to think by the university to basically say a whole bunch of things and then when they're brought facts they just switch to another argument and the logical fallacies that people use that is the issue because and and they do that they do that in everything not just with christianity they do it with sports and it's just it seems to me it seems to be a generational thing where i remember back in the day i would have a debate with somebody about any topic they would bring up arguments i would bring up arguments it would be really cool we would we may not end up changing our positions, but I learned something from it. And now it just seems like attack, attack, attack. How do you know that? No, we don't believe that's right. We don't believe they wrote that book. Oh, because my professor told me because, well, they white people just wrote all the history and they doctored it. And um, we know nothing about peer-reviewed papers and nothing about how we confirm sources or we don't know anything about archaeology and how science actually works. It's just if it doesn't agree with me, then it didn't happen. So... That kind of thinking is what I want to come against in the most positive, well, not have to be positive, but the most respectful way possible. So anyways, I've got to get to work. This has been a new episode of the Christ in a Culture War podcast. I am your host, Jesse Williams. Until next time, God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful...